All right. So just want to welcome our guest speaker for today, Trustee Diana Delphine Polk, who is on the board of the uh, Peralta Community College um, District, mm -hmm. which is in northern Alameda County. Um, so before we get started, I just want to give you an, a chance to one, start off by giving us some background about who you are your and your personal and professional backgrounds. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Victor. I'm excited to, to be here. And I think I'm the second person, so I feel honored. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, as Victor said, my name is Diana Delphine Polk. I am the vice president of the Peralta Community College District Board of Trustees, which is a very long title. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I represent Area 6, which is North Oakland and North Berkeley. Um, and I am a very longtime resident of the North Side neighborhood here in, in the city of Berkeley, and very proudly so. Um, I was born on a military base in Sacramento County. It's a big piece of my story. Um, my brother is currently um, active Air Force. Um, and so we're very proud of that, of that legacy in our family. Um, on my mom's side, um, my grandparents moved to Berkeley in 1971 when my grandfather uh, retired from the Marine Corps. And so it was after his second tour of Vietnam um, that he got a job recruiting black and brown students at the University of California in 1971, which was kind of a big deal. Um, mm -hmm. And so I'm, we're really proud of that. And so our family has been in the area in Berkeley in particular, off and on since then. Um, so I consider this to be uh, where I where I grew up. Um, and so I started community college when I was 16 years old. Um, I was very young, uh, going to school with fully grown adults, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, which at the time, looking back, was was a really great experience because it kind of forced me to grow up a little bit more and to mature a little bit more than I think um, I would have been. And in hindsight, it really prepared me to run for office because I'm surrounded by people who, who knew more than I did. Right. And yeah. so I was able to learn and absorb that from them. Um, and so after two years, um, I went to Merced Community College in the Central Valley. Um, I transferred to UC Berkeley um, and I got a degree in American history and Chicano studies. And so all that while, um, my teachers were the ones who really inspired me. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom and my grandmother in particular, my grandmother was on the school board here in Berkeley in 1988. Wow. Um, I'll send you the article that <laughs> Berkeley <laughs> I did on, with me as a little sprout um, in, the, in the campaign photos with my mom and my tia. So I have a really long legacy <clears throat> of strong Latina women, uh, my mom and my grandmother, um, who have been trailblazers in so many different ways. Uh, my mom is... Uh, with Oakland Unified now. She's been with them for almost 15 years. Uh -huh. So she co-chairs Latinx Student Achievement for the district. So um, it's been a, it's a big part of my story, um, education in particular. And so yeah. when I was approached to run for this seat in 2020, I couldn't say no. Um, students, community colleges in particular, um, I was working class student. I was able to pay for community college through something called the BOG fee waiver, which I think is called mm -hmm. something else now. So it was the Board of Governors fee waiver for working student, working class students to be able to go to school for free. And so that was what I was, how I was able to do that. And yeah. so that experience meant everything to me and really catapulted me into the roles that I have now, um, not just as a trustee, but also I'm now working in the office of the mayor, Jesse Yadigain, um, here in Berkeley, really able to um, impact more change. And so it all started at community colleges. And so being a trustee means a lot to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and for those who don't know, I also went through community college at Peralta. So I have a lot of love um, for the district and definitely appreciate what you um, and some of the newer board members are doing. Um, 
Obviously, it's an exciting millennial time. caucus, me and yeah. Kevin Jenkins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So how does somebody who is, you know, a military kid who goes to community college in Merced, mm-hmm. how, how did you get involved in politics? So I mentioned my grandmother was an elected official in the late 80s. And so mm-hmm. being in politics was something that I, I grew up in, um, to be really honest. Um, I was interested in, I was always interested in it. I was really interested in political science. And so I read a lot of political science books. I took political science classes. And then when I was in high school, when I started community college, I took, um, at the time it was called Hispanic Americans in the U.S. And it just really opened my eyes to what Chicano studies was like and how political our community is. Um, I am third generation Mexican-American Chicana. um, And so the Chicano movement was something that my grandparents were involved in. um, And so that legacy is kind of what inspires me to this day to really pursue politics. And so when I was just another little sprout in <laughs> at UC Berkeley, um, I joined a group called the Cal Berkeley Democrats, which is uh-huh. the college chapter of um, the California Democrats. And so that was kind of what got me started in professional politics. Um, and so I met a lot of great people, um, including the mayor back then. Um, and so there was an offshoot of the club called Students for Barack Obama. And so we tabled out on Sproul. We did a lot of phone calls. It was right around 2008 when Barack Obama was in the primary for uh, the mm-hmm. presidential campaign. And so I was so inspired by that. I was, I met a lot of great people. And so ever since then, I feel like the bug bit me. Yeah, <laughs> I've been involved in, in politics in that way um, ever since. And so it really started with young Democrats. That's what really catapulted me again into other roles that I've had in politics. Um, I've been fortunate enough to work on campaigns mm-hmm. and to get paid doing so. Um, Cause you know how politics can be. It's a yeah. volunteer based industry, right? You have to volunteer, you have to knock on doors and all that. And so I was fortunate to have great mentors who said, Hey, you should get paid for doing this. <laughs> and so Absolutely. that's kind of how I did it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what you're telling me is that it's possible to grow up in politics and, mm-hmm. and not come up from a wealthy or affluent family. No, that has been my story. I worked really hard um, as a community college student. I was an intern um, for a congressman in Merced, which is where I was living at the time. And I mean, the expect, I mean, there was no discussion of whether or not we would get paid. We were just told mm-hmm. you're not getting paid. And so I had to work a separate job. I was a student ambassador for our campus. And so I was getting paid $9 an hour, which was at the time a lot of money. Um, And so I would have to work extra hours to make up for the time I spent working as an intern because I needed the cash, right? To get to my books and um, get to school and all that kind of stuff. I mean, going to to college can be expensive for working class folks. And so, um, yeah, it is possible. It is definitely possible. Um, I think that the way that our industry is changing is really positive. Um, I was reading an article in the LA Times yesterday about how assembly legislative aides are trying to unionize. And I think that is so necessary and important. So the legislative aides at City Hall here in Berkeley, we are part of SCIU 1021. And really just a groundbreaking thing for us to be a part of because we work such long hours. um, We don't get paid very well, right? Like at least, especially back then. And so a lot of times what would happen is we wouldn't be able to take these internships because they wouldn't pay. And so when I graduated from UC Berkeley, I got an opportunity um, to work for the congressman that I had been working for in DC, but it was an unpaid internship and Mm -hmm. I needed a job. 
And so I made a really tough decision. And I think about that to this day, like what would have happened if I'd gone to DC, right. When I was 21 years old, Um, where would I be now? What would I be doing? Um, But I was fortunate. I got a job at the Green Lining Institute. And so the rest, as they say, is history. And I'm really proud of what I've been able to accomplish without having that family wealth behind me. Right. So hopefully that can be an inspiration to other people who think that this is just a rich person's game because I don't think it is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that this is something that we've talked about a lot um, with our club, the Latina Young Democrats of the East Bay, which is the local uh, chapter, um, the Latinx caucus being the statewide org. Um, But uh, a lot of our members struggle with um, breaking into politics um, or government. I like to make that distinction. Politics and government are not the same, but they are very intertwined um, because you can work on a campaign, but not be in government. And that's political or in labor or, you know, groups like that. Um, But what you highlighted is that, especially for our community, uh, once you get in, you're struggling to pay the bills. You're you you really have to, you know. uh, Yeah, you got you got to want to add and you got to stick with it to see Mm -hmm. that investment pay off and. But usually because there's so few of us involved, it also means everybody wants a piece of us, which means that for clubs and other organizations, usually by the time you and I get to that table to, you know, sit through a meeting or to, you know, have that panel or that event, Mm -hmm. um, we're already like running on fumes. And I think a lot of people don't understand that this is really, it's not, um, I think there's a lot of misconceptions that politics like there's just money there's a lot of money out there it just doesn't get down to us it doesn't come to us though yeah (laughs) i remember at one point i because i was doing campaign consulting and managing full-time at one point and i remember i was working on five different campaigns and that amounted to one regular salary yeah and so i was just talk about running on fumes i mean i was working 18 19 hour days just to make sure all my clients were covered and I only lost one one campaign that cycle. So I am really proud of that. But it was a lot of work. A lot of emotional labor goes into that, right? Because it's a very emotional thing. You're tired all the time. And then, you know, on top of that, you're worried about your candidate raising enough money to pay you. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. the reality of working in campaigns. But I, again, I'm really proud of what I've been able to do. And I've been really fortunate to be able to do that because of the help of mentors. So yeah, absolutely. Throw, throw campaigns my way and say, "Hey, <laughs> you should work with this folk, with these folks." Yeah, and and I do want to highlight you. Most of your, if not all, um, the vast majority of your candidates and campaigns you worked on have all been people of color, like yes. first time, um, running for the first time, mm-hmm. um, or maybe helping them in the reelection because you helped them win yep. the first time. Um, so, and that there's a reason why there's not a lot of campaign consultants, campaign staff of color, um, first of all, of women, and then on top of that, women of color. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, for you to have been successful in that is truly exceptional. Yeah, it's, I've been, again, really lucky um, because I have my own team. um, So I work with um, a young Filipino uh, web designer. Um, I've worked with you before. I've worked Mm -hmm. with um, high school interns. Most of them have been um, young people of color. because I have the freedom to be able to design my own team, it's it's been easier for me to be able to work for candidates who otherwise would not have had a good consultant. So yeah. I'm really proud of the folks that I've been able to elect. They've been doing some really great work. 
Um, one of which I'd like to highlight is uh, council member Tessa Rudnick out in El Cerrito. Uh So she was a first time millennial candidate. And so, um, I met her through the current mayor, uh, Gabe Quinto, who was also a mentor. And so, I mean, she was such an exceptional person. Yeah. And so it's funny because when you're in it, cause it's just job interview, right? So when you're interviewing your candidates, it sometimes it feels like that. Like you get, it's, it's hard to explain, but like, I felt it like right here. I'm like, she's great. I want to work with her. This is yeah. who I want to work with. And I felt the same way about, um, council member Eli Hill up in San Rafael, young mm-hmm. AAPI dad, millennial, um, really great person. As soon as I met him, I was like, boom, I have to work with you. So because I've been able to have that freedom to have my own team um, and focus in on young um, folks of color, women, LGBT folks, it's been even more rewarding to be able to have that freedom because I get to work with some really great people. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. For listeners out there, um, you should check out some of those electeds um, because they're great. (laughs) <laughs> All the people you've helped uh, are doing great things. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's circle back uh, to talk a little bit about the the Young Dems as an organization, the local club. Sure. Uh, you you helped start off, uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but the second <laughs> oldest Latinx Young Dem club in the whole state of California, right? It's a little contentious. LA likes to take the credit, but I think that we're one of, we're, 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 we're we'll say it's a tie. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, yep. I, I think we can go with, with a tie. Yeah. Um, all right. Yep. So walk me through that process. What is yeah. it like to actually, okay, first of all, what, what, what is a club? What, what do clubs do? What, what's the whole point of them? And then how do, how, what was the process of actually <laughs> making a new one? It's not easy. So it's a lot of paperwork. Um, so there was a group of us back then. Um, this was around, had to have been 2010, 2011, around then. There's a group of us who are part of the East Bay Young Democrats, which is like the umbrella organization. Once we graduated from college, we went and organized with East Bay Young Democrats because it wasn't a college group. This was for young adults under the age of 35. So we started, there was a few of us um, and we were having some, some same feelings, I guess, about lack of Latino, Latinx, Latinet um, representation. Um, I was on the board. I was, I was on the board with a couple of other people who were Latino. Um, and we just didn't feel like as much as we loved our group, I still love East Bay and Democrats to this day. They some doing some phenomenal work. They've supported a lot of great mm-hmm. people. Um, but for us, it was just different because we have very specific issues as a community that I don't feel like mainstream politics in general, not just this club, but in general, don't really address so at the time, there was a lot of things. We were talking a lot about immigration. Um, we were talking a lot about gentrification in the Fruitvale, which is where we started having our first meetings. Uh-huh. I cannot remember the name of, I think it was a, a realtor or somebody. And he had a back office and said, hey, you guys can meet here for free. And I can't remember his name. And I, if I do, I'll let you know. But it was in the Fruitvale. And so the yeah. number one conversation that we were having is what are we going to do with our folks, right? Our folks are being displaced our folks need jobs. Our folks need education. There's all kinds of stuff that was going on. There was a lot of violence that was happening back then too. You know, what are we doing as a club with the East Bay and Democrats to really support that? Right. And so he was broke off. It was a little bit controversial um, and formed the Latino young Democrats of the East Bay specifically to address those issues. Yeah. And so what happened was we chartered through the California young Democrats, which I was on the board of at the time. 
Um, and so we were one of two at the time. It was LA, I think it was LA County that did it right before us. And so that's what we did. We held fundraisers. We, um, we chartered with our, with our partner organizations. We held elections and had club, um, club elections and meetings. And we had a lot of people in our heyday. <laughs> we had about 13 to 14 people in our club. And we just specifically talked about our issues. And it was really empowering. It was, yeah. it was good to be in community with folks who have a shared history. And not all of us were Chicanos. A lot of us were, you know, there was a few people who were from Peru, who were from Ecuador we're from different parts of Latin America. And so it, our shared history as Latinos, it was just really good to be in community with folks. Um, it was bilingual. So we held meetings in English and Spanish. And so we just kind of floated back and forth through the two languages, like a lot of us do anyway. Um, and so that's kind of how we got started. And so I'm really glad that now that I'm not a young Dem, almost not a young Dem anymore, I'm really glad that the club is, has continued because you know, we, we got older and people started having kids and, you know, jobs are, are a lot. And so Mm -hmm. I'm just really happy that the club is still going pretty strong. Yeah, definitely. And you, you said, um, back in the day, it was about 13, 16 people. Mm -hmm. And some listeners might not understand that might (laughs) sound like a little bit, but it was a lot for us. (laughs) Yeah. I I think it's a lot for a lot of groups. Mm -hmm. And the, the reality is that a lot of the people, making decisions in politics before people even get elected it's a small group of people like Mm -hmm. literally any listener out here can go start going to a club meeting start getting involved and run for position on the board and really hold candidates and elected officials accountable and because the attorney general of the state of california rob bonte he still goes to our stuff all of our assembly members go to all of our events and all the mayors go to um, all, all of our events like they, they they show up and they listen. They if they don't listen, uh, most likely it's because they're not they're not going to our events. Um, yeah. So listeners out there should really um, I hope that they understand that it, it takes a handful of people to make an mm-hmm. impact and they, they can be part of that process, too. Yeah. Um, and we had no resource again, no, we were using a back office a back room in an office. And I mean that even small things like that, like, Hey, this is a place for you guys to meet. And this of course was before the pandemic. So everything was in person. And so being able to have a space where we didn't have to pay, right. Cause we didn't have any, we had nothing. We had absolutely nothing. We just were really passionate young people who wanted to make a difference. And so we've had really great successes over the years because we've had great mentors. Right. I always go back to that because I feel like mentors don't always get talked about enough. And so mm-hmm. I just, I feel really grateful to the folks who helped us out when we first started the club, because we wouldn't have had anywhere to go. Oh yeah. And I think a lot, there's a lot of misconceptions too. Um, I think most of this series is going to be talking about misconceptions <laughs> um, that like all these political events are like super fancy suit and tie. Absolutely not. It is, it is, especially for young Dems, it, but even in general, the regular the adult Dems as as I call them. Um, it's really not that sure. There's like a gala here and there, but for the most part, you're just coming off of work and Mm -hmm. you know, it's people from all kinds of different sectors. We have like service workers, we have, um, paralegals, teachers, teachers, a lot Mm -hmm. of teachers, um, nonprofit staff. So yeah, people are not, it's not stuffy, um, as people might think, um, as you might see on TV. Yeah. I mean, if you look at all my, I've been going through all my picks from over the years when you asked me to do this, 
all, I, I swear all the photos that I have all my, my, of myself at conventions and events, I'm always wearing my checkered bands. <laughs> I'm like, Nope, I'm not giving this up. Yeah. Uh, the biggest part of advice I, I give to anybody who's going to convention or any big conference like that for the first time is uh, bring comfortable shoes and wear them. Don't, yep. don't worry about the heels. Don't worry about the leather shoes. Nope. You're going to be walking a lot and you need to be walking comfortably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's talk about the club, right? Low resources. Um, so, you know, aside from that, what is it about the club that you found challenging to maintain? Um, and how, I mean, how do we resolve them in, in other clubs um, for people who might be interested in starting one? Yeah, I think what happened was that the political community at the time, there was a lot of overlap. And so we would be, and I think you're probably still experiencing this, like mm-hmm. we would be members of Hispanic Democrats and mm-hmm. members of Latino Young Democrats. And we had a Black Young Democrats of the East Bay, which I don't know if is still active or not, but they were pretty mm-hmm. active back then as well. And so we would co-host a lot of events together and it ended up being all the same people. <laughs> um, I think that one of the challenges that I, I remember for myself was trying to do outreach to people who weren't necessarily in politics mm-hmm. and trying to bring them in because we just, the political community was very small. And so yeah. we just would have the same people showing up over and over again, which is great. I mean, we had great supporters, great members, but that was a big challenge was doing the outreach to try and get young folks who weren't, politically minded necessarily yeah. to become political and to join our club. So that was, a, that was a really big challenge, especially at the beginning. Um, I think long-term longevity of officers has been a challenge because of jobs, because of other priorities in your life. And so some things would get dropped. And so, you know, this is a volunteer only, again, one of those things, right? Mm-hmm. Volunteer led volunteer only. We didn't get paid to do any of this work. We just did it because we wanted to um, sometimes can pose some challenges with, um, continuity and mm-hmm. consistency yeah oh yeah absolutely we, yeah something we still go through to this day mm-hmm. um so you talked about some of the priority issues um before our listeners can you maybe give some examples or talk a little bit about the impact um that not just latina young dems has had but just a club in general how, what's the impact that they can make in their community so i remember one of the fundraisers that we had we would partner a lot with with neighborhood organizations. And so it was, um, I think it was East Bay Covenant was one of the organizations that we um, partnered with as a fundraiser. So we would throw a fundraiser Uh and tell all of our people who would show up to donate to this organization. And so we did a toy drive one year. Uh, We did that for a couple of years. And so we would have people show up to our holiday event to bring an unwrapped toy to donate to families um, in Oakland. And so um, one of the ones that I organized um, which was with East Bay Covenant, um, they provide legal aid and other like case management services yeah. to undocumented folks. And so we wanted to use our platform to bring some awareness and amplify that issue because at the time um, there was a lot of um, uh, laws that were being enacted against immigrants in particular. And so for us to be able to support that and to support sanctuary cities, which was a big thing back then too, um, was something that we chose to amplify. And so we were able to raise, I think we raised about five or $6,000, which doesn't sound like a lot, but to a nonprofit that is, you know, working really hard to get all the dollars that they have, um, it made a difference. And so mm-hmm. I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud that we did use our club to amplify issues that, that nobody else really, really was. Right. And so, yeah. um, 
that's a legacy that I, I hope is, is living on is to be able to do that. And I think it is. Yeah. I'm a, I'm gonna have to go on our Slack for the club and, uh, and talk <laughs> to the rest of the board about bringing the toy drives back. Yeah. We did that every year for about three or four years. Yeah, no, that's awesome. It was a street level project. I think is who we partnered with back then. Street level. All right. Yeah. I'm a, I, I know. I might get some of these names wrong. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah. I think you probably know Hiadi. Um, I think he's doing the big uh, Oakland Santa Claus toy drive. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Where they drive around. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to hit him up. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So we talked a little bit about the clubs. Let Now let's pivot to the statewide organization. Sure. California young Democrats. Um, <laughs> Again, going back to misconceptions, everybody thinks it's like, oh, the party, the Democrats, it's one big party. And um, Nancy Pelosi and the DNC is telling everybody what to do. No. Um, <laughs> okay, let's talk about what, what is the California Young Democrats? How are they different from, like, say, the California Democrats or the Democratic National Committee? And can Nancy Pelosi actually tell us what to do? No. <laughs> um, as much respect I have for Nancy Pelosi's career, she does not control <laughs> At least to my knowledge, um, she does not control at least the Young Democrats. So the California Young Democrats is the youth arm of the California Democratic Party. And so we're a separate entity. Um, I say we because I only have another month of being a part of it. Um, (laughs) uh, We are a separate entity from the California Democratic Party specifically to organize and amplify um, youth voices within the party. And so what ends up happening in the party is that because of the way that everything is structured, there's a lot of um, retired people mm-hmm. and no disrespect to them, but it doesn't leave a lot of room for young people because we're out there with careers and we have jobs and we need money, right. To be able to do this. And a lot of this work is volunteer based. Um, and so CYD, as we call it, is what we, it's, it's the platform that we use to advocate for issues that young people really care about. And so when I was coming up, um, I started out in CYD, I started out as the Bay Area Regional Director, and I had that position for about two years, which means that I wrangled a lot of clubs from all over. I had nine counties at the time, which was a lot. Yeah. And I couldn't get to everybody, but I tried to check in with them as much as I could. Um, I helped register, I think, three or four different clubs in that time, because um, I know that uh, Latino Young Dems, so that's what we called it at the time, Latino Young Dems was a new club. Um, we chartered one in San Francisco as well, mm-hmm. um, that came after us. And so we worked pretty closely to do that. Um, and so that's kind of what my role was, was to be like a liaison between the state California Young Democrats and the local clubs. Um, so I did that for a couple of years. Um, I ended up running for um, vice president of finance. So um, anybody who knows me, I'm really good with money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I went into that position. And so that was a statewide position. And it was really great um, because we were very, I was very young. I was 26, 27 years old. And like we were working, CYD was working with a professional treasurer at the time. And so I had to have regular meetings with them. Um, We were raising a lot of money because our, our goal is to elect more young Democrats, right? And so young Democrats, again, are 35 and under. And so we would raise a significant amount of money to be able to put towards mailers. Um, we would do like online work. Um, we would pay people to go work on campaigns throughout the state. And so we would have targeted races. Um, a few of them were in the Bay Area, but most of them were in Inland Empire, Central mm-hmm. Valley, uh, more rural parts where they don't have as a strong Democratic yeah. presence there. Right. 
And so I was, again, I was really young. And so when I ran for that position, I became really good friends with, there was only three or four Latinos elected to CYD statewide at the time. And so we became very affectionately known as the Concha Caucus. So that's why I have the Concha painting. We did that at ConchaCon in Los Angeles a few years ago. All of us would convene and um, just be in community together. And we were from all over the place. So yeah. um, we had folks from um, San Fernando Valley, Los Angeles, San Diego. Um, we had folks in the Central Valley, uh, Sacramento. And so what we had in common is that we were all Latinos. And so we're really good friends to this day. And so um, that was another thing that was that was being emphasized at the time was making sure that we're electing a CYD board that looks like the communities that we come from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't you also part of that whole group was part of the kind of the um, foundation or the founding of the Latinx caucus? Yep. Yep. Sean Rivas, who is a very dear friend. um, He was one of the key instrumental people to keep that, to start that caucus and keep it going. And so he had me on the board of that caucus for a little while too, (laughs) but we all, I mean, we were able to raise, I remember he and I threw a fundraiser in San San Jose. Oh man, this had to have been 2015, 2014 around there. And uh, we raised close to about $10,000, mostly from labor, um, which was a huge partner for us um, to be able to put towards um, in that, in that case, because it was a Latino caucus. And I use the names that, of the caucuses and the clubs as they were at the time. So mm-hmm. they've changed since to become the Latinx caucus. Um, and so we were able to raise money to put towards young Latino candidates that were running for office at that time. Yeah. So. And that, that it's honestly, it, it really is a big boost for um, not just Latinx candidates, but just mm-hmm. candidates of people uh, of color yes. generally have a very difficult um, time, uh, not just fundraising from their own personal networks, mm-hmm. um, but also just, it's very hard for, for our people to ask for money. It, 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 it must be a cultural thing where it's like, you know, <laughs> we don't like to I ask found for it help. hard. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for it's going back to like the, the, the work of a, a club and, um, mm-hmm the statewide organization, like these are professional skills um, that are helpful, not just in politics, but really whether you're in the nonprofit sector and mm-hmm. at some point that the higher up you go, a lot of it is, um, is uh, sales. You're, you're pitching yep. the, the work, the nonprofit to get donations from mm-hmm. um, either other foundations, philanthropic organizations or the big donors. Um, so I'm glad that you're, you're hitting on those, professional aspects uh, we were it taught me a lot of skills and i've always been the youngest person in the room going back to like starting community college as young as i did so for me like being able to being 26 27 years old and asking a labor union hey can you give us two thousand dollars and here's why and then to have it happen i was like whoa okay cool (laughs) this does work because it it was the cause right and it was young people who were advocating for other young people especially young people of color and Sean and I made a really great team because <clears throat> he had a lot of really great contacts in labor. And so I was just helping him bring in the money. And so we raised a lot of money. Yeah. It was great. We had a really great successful year that year. Yeah. And we're um, going to make, we're, we're bringing it back. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, myself and the rest of the board, we stand on y'all's shoulders. So definitely want to appreciate all the work that's gone sure. into 
um, investing, not just in my generation, but the generation that's coming up behind us. Cause there's yeah. a couple rising stars, um, that hopefully we can highlight, uh, soon. That's um, awesome. but going back, just how did you manage to do the political, your professional career? How, how did you balance it? Or I guess, how did you survive? Um, and what would be some recommendations for other young professionals? Um, I work a lot. <laughs> um, I'm a little bit of a workaholic. I, my whole life is politics. So my day job as a legislative aide, my role as a Peralta trustee, I'm involved with some democratic clubs here in the East Bay. Um, I have put my whole self into it because it's something I really, I truly love it. I, I love doing this and, and yeah, it can be difficult, but it's, it's, it's worth it to me to see great people get elected and to see them go on to higher office. Um, and to be a part of that process, it's not for the faint of heart. I think that a lot of people get into politics, not really knowing what it entails and it will take your whole, like, it'll take everything that you have. Yeah. So I'm still learning like how and what self-care looks like and making sure that I'm setting time aside to do things that are not necessarily work-related. Um, because I have suffered from burnout before. It's 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 real. Yeah. Um, and it got to a point where I just was like, okay, I need to take a step back and figure out what I need to do to replenish myself, right? To replenish my soul, to replenish my 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 physical self, right? Mm-hmm. So being really mindful of that. And I, I know people talk about work-life balance a lot, but I think for people of color, it's really a lot more than that, right? It's making sure that our, that our lives are balanced and it's hard mm-hmm. to do when you're, you know, when you're broke, to be honest. And so yep. now I'm getting to a point where I have the, the ability to be able to step back a little bit more. Um, and so being supportive of other young people who are still going through it, right. Is, is important to me. And so I, I like to spend my time doing that as well, but it's, it can be difficult. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I remember, um, obviously we've known each other now, what, um, four years, Has about it? four years. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, I, I remember seeing you in your previous role and managing mm-hmm. all of that. I'm still even, even more plugged into the young yeah. dem world. Um, and then obviously you saw me, I I think Mm -hmm. I was working for a council member, working on their campaign, going through community college, um, and then involved in almost every organization, um, out there focused. So yes, the burnout is real. Um, and I think it's important that we have to learn to say no to Mm -hmm. certain things. Um, but. It's hard talk- because I never wanted to say no, before, like, especially when I was mm-hmm. younger, <clears throat> I never wanted to say no. Cause I was afraid of an opportunity being missed out on. Right. Like a little bit of FOMO, but also like, well, what if this leads to something else? Like, I don't want to mm-hmm. say no to people. So really having strong boundaries is important as well. And like, as pe- again, as Latinos, you and I, as people of color in general, like we don't have, like, we don't always have the vocabulary to know what a boundary is and work-life balance and what that is. And so that's a learning process as I've gotten older is to really, mm-hmm understand what that means and understanding that saying no to take care of yourself, you know, if you're feeling really tired and not wanting to go to an event after work, that's okay too. Yeah. And you're not going to miss out necessarily on anything. It's just investing in yourself in that way is also important. Mm-hmm. 
and potentially if you're 21 and over finding a good wine club uh to hang out at yes rosenbloom cellars <laughs> yeah that's our spot that's um, our spot <laughs> so we, we talked a little bit about how the CYD and the club have pre- prepared you or given you a, a bump up in the professional side of um, your skill set, maybe preparing you for the future like a candidate. But let's shift to talking about what are some of the most memorable, positive memories that you have from your time in these orgs? Oh, man, I have a lot. Um, a lot of it was spent with the Concha Caucus um, uh-huh. when we would see each other. So the way that the Democratic Party in, in California, at least, is structured is that we have one big convention once a year and three smaller meetings held around the state. So it was a lot of fun. The L.A. ones were always most fun because most of the members of the Concha Caucus, I'd say about half, uh-huh. um, are in the L.A. area. And so when we would see each other, it would be just like a huge reunion. We would have a lot of fun together. Um, you know, we're really strong friends and we, you know, we take trip before the pandemic, we would take a Concha Caucus trip once a year. And so the last one we took was at Concha um, Con, which I mentioned before, which was just like a big party of like Conchas for people who don't know what those are. It's Mexican sweet bread. Um, so it was a little bit of a, a little bit of a pun um, that yeah. turned into something that is really special. And so, you know, those are folks that I, I, I treasure them. I treasure my relationship with them. And I love that we're still, we're still good friends. Like we still have a Concha Caucus thread <laughs> that we use every few days. Like we're uh-huh. pretty, pretty in touch with each other and we visit each other and talk to each other a lot. And so those are some of the real memorable memories that I have is with those folks. And so a lot of us aren't young Dems anymore. A lot of us, you know, have moved on to other pursuits, but we'll always have that time together um, as young people learning and growing um, and being in community with one another. Yeah. And I think it's important to talk about those relationships because, um, it, there are fights that happen in these org yeah. that happen. It's a regular occurrence. Yeah. So within the party and all these groups, like we're, we're not always going to see eye to eye. Um, especially, you know, when it comes to supporting specific, certain can- specific candidates, I guess, um, yeah. sometimes our, our, our members want somebody over the other person and, and that's okay. I think it's, it's okay. Um, I think especially for, I feel like more so in our generation now, um, we've learned to live with those, um, discussions and the difference of opinion. Um, so yeah, have, having that special group of friends who you can one, be stand shoulder to shoulder with them in the battles and then also be able to say, Hey, I disagree with you here. Um, but that doesn't mean we we're not friends. Right. Yeah. Um, there's a mature way to do it. And I think that's because a lot of us would work on different campaigns and some of us mm-hmm. would work on competing campaigns. And that's part of it was just like, we needed a job. We're going to work for this person, but it could get very personal. So, you know, we've lost, there was a few people who have left the Concha caucus over the years, but you know, for various reasons, but, um, you know, the ability to disagree with people that you're very close to in a mature way can be done. Yeah. Cause it's not always, I always say it's not always personal, but it can be personal. Oh yeah. Campaigns can be super personal, <laughs> yeah. especially when, you know, there's uh folks out there um, slandering your name and oh, maybe yeah. pushing misinformation or straight lies. I've yeah. had to cut off people that would say when I ran for CYD president would say horrible things about me. And so 
you know, I try not to hold a grudge. I always believe in karma. Um, and then my grandmother always said in Spanish, todos se pagan en este mundo. Uh And so basically what goes around comes around. Right. And so, yeah, people said terrible things about me in print. Um, but I've moved on and, you know, I've put that, that situation behind me and, you know, things are going to shake out the way that they shake out for other folks. And that's what they have to live with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're, we're, we're almost out of time here, but mm-hmm. I, before we finish, I, I want to give you the opportunity to shoot your shot. Tell, <laughs> what, what pitch do you have for young Latina folks to get involved in their local club and the California Young Democrats? I really, my pitch is that our community needs support in politics in particular, we are the majority minority. I don't like that term, but that's what we are, especially in the state of California. And our numbers are only going to get higher. And the only way to really advocate for our community in a way that could make a huge change, especially in politics, is to get involved with the Latina Young Dem Club right now. Um, And they're all over the place. They're in LA, they're in the Central Valley, they're here in the Bay Area, Sacramento. And we started our club because our community needed advocacy because no one else was speaking for us. And a lot of people speak for us anyway. And, and it's not people who identify as Latino or Latinx. Um, so my pitch really is to get involved because otherwise we don't have anybody else. Like we need, we need support. And so even though now I'm not a young Dem anymore, almost, um, I'm still obviously very supportive of the Latinx caucuses, the clubs. Um, I mean, I learned so much from my time as working in Young Democrats because like you said, I was able to take those skills. I successfully ran a nonprofit in San Francisco for almost seven years. And a lot of the skills that I got from politics were incredibly transferable into the nonprofit world. Mm-hmm. And so now that I'm back in politics, I find myself going back to those skills quite a bit because it was so foundational in my time. Um, and it can, if this is a, a, an industry that you want to pursue, um, even after hearing everything we've talked about, um, all the good stuff and the bad, yeah. I mean, you got to really have the gun us to do it and you, you will get the skills in young Democrats to be able to move on and have a very successful career in politics. Absolutely. And actually I, I hate to follow up with that, but especially for our, um, listeners out there who, who might be listening, hopefully they are, um, who are just either one, they're they just hate politics, but they're super, you know, I, I have a couple of friends out there who are poli sci students um, who are like, yeah, they're, like they're really interested in politics, but they're super upset at just what it looks like. Um, so for those folks who are like, no, but, I, you know, it's all corrupt or it's all messy and like it's toxic for those people who maybe haven't really stepped into it yet. Um, what's. I guess, how do you, how do we appeal to them? What's your pitch to them? We have to be our change. We have to be the ones to push for politics, not to be like that anymore because it can be corrupt. It can be toxic. Um, but we need to have people in those spaces who can bring other strengths in, which is to balance it, to advocate because our people, we're a strong community. I love our community. I would being Latina is a huge part of my identity. And I'm so grateful to be a part of a community as amazing as a community that we are in. And for me, that's my motivation to do what I do is because I see 
especially when I was working in San Francisco, I worked in violence prevention. I saw mm-hmm. everybody, like everybody who needed help, who needed housing, who needed food. Like that's what we did during the pandemic was feed the community in the mission district where we were because our families were out of work and they couldn't feed, they couldn't feed their kids. And the work that we do in politics, that's who, that's who I work for, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the people that I advocate for. And our community is all over the place. And we need to advocate for the folks who are out there doing um, you know, service industry, teaching, a lot of the um, unsung heroes of mm-hmm. our of our community are Latinos. And yeah. for us, it's just it's it means so much more because we're from that community. And so for, it's not a game, right? Like these are people's yeah. lives. These are people's livelihoods. Um, and so that's we need more people who understand that. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a perfect pitch and I think that's a perfect place to leave this off. So thank you for being part of our first ever mm-hmm. podcast series, um, <laughs> highlighting some of our leaders um, out, out here in the state of California. I think we're we're privileged um, and I'm honored to follow in your footsteps, not yes. only in the club, but the caucus and CYD in general. You're doing great. Um, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> yeah, so thank you so much. Of course. We want to thank Richard Raya, Chief Strategy Officer at Meda, for his bronze sponsorship. Our work wouldn't be possible without the support of generous contributions like Richard's. Thank you.